0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to meet some of Minnesota's state patrol officers and learn about the Minnesota National Guard's Operation True Grit. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey.
1: Purple is a color that symbolizes all branches of our military. Nationwide, more than 2 million children have a parent serving in the armed forces. As a tribute to the children of our brave men and women who serve, people across the nation wear purple every year on Purple Up Day. In Minnesota, 22,000 men and women are currently serving in the military. Our military-connected children bravely face the uncertainty of their parents' safety when we are away, as well as the challenge of reintegration when they return. It's important for these military-connected youth to know their nation and community stands by to support them. This April, please join us and Purple Up to support our military. Military kids. For more information on Purple Update and other military-connected youth events, please visit the Minnesota National Guard Youth Programs page on Facebook.
0: Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to MinnesotaMilitaryRadio.com. As I said at the opening, we're going to meet a couple of Minnesota State Patrol officers today, and joining me now in the studio is Phil Jergensen a Minnesota State Trooper, and the Chief of Protection for the 34th Infantry Division of the Minnesota National Guard. And, and uh, you're also, you were a Lieutenant Colonel there. So, Colonel, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Hi,
1: Tom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Sir, I want to start a little bit with your military background. How long have you been serving? I came into
1: the military in 1998. I uh, graduated high school then and enlisted uh, down by Winona, Minnesota. Uh, enlisted into the 34th Military Police Company, uh, in hopes of being a police officer in the future. Uh, at the time, uh, being a police officer is very competitive, um, and a lot of applicants for not a lot of positions. And so I, I thought being a military police officer was very interesting and also would translate very well into my, uh, future potential civilian career.
0: And so you've been in the uh, military for a long time. Has it all been with the Minnesota National Guard? Yes, sir. Okay. Quite a few years and worked your way up to Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, good work, sir. Now I want to talk about on the other side on your on your civilian side. I understand you started out as a deputy sheriff.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Anoka County graduated from Mankato actually in two thousand one, and Anoka County Sheriff's Office. I was lucky enough to get hired by them, uh, kind of my first job uh, in law enforcement, and moved up to uh, the cities from Mankato. Uh, started working there in two thousand two. Um, had a lot of great experiences there. Met a lot of a lot of really great people. Great leadership. And then uh, in about 2006, 2007, I was looking for a different challenge, and that's when the, the State Patrol was going through a hiring process. Um, at that time, um, I had met my wife, and we were looking to maybe move throughout the state, and I knew the State Patrol offered great opportunities to you know maintain seniority and, and move around the state and provide a lot of opportunities that way. So I applied in 2007, uh, went through the State Patrol Academy, and uh, graduated in December of 2007 as a state trooper.
0: So let's go back to the to the beginning here for a minute, which came first the military or law enforcement
1: uh military came first um, I actually at the time i didn't know if I wanted to be an airline pilot or a uh, police officer and so mankato kind of offered both programs and um, I ended up choosing the law enforcement path which uh you know after nine eleven um, there wasn't many pilots being hired and and there was more police officers being hired so um i the you know I still am glad I picked that choice, and it ended up working out pretty good for me, but yeah, the military came first
0: so as parallel careers because you served on the weekends in minnesota national guard and, and law enforcement on the on the civilian side, how did that work? Is that pretty comfortable being on the military uh military police side and then and then sheriff and and highway patrol are they compatible? Does it work?
1: Yeah, I, I quickly found out when I got down to basic training, especially in the Minnesota National Guard, there, there's the the focus is, um, I mean, we call it combat support or more combat related duties of, uh, you know, kind of heavy weapons and, and Humvees and then later MRAPs and um, moving around the battlefield and doing certain things. There wasn't a lot of the law enforcement uh, specific type duties that I ended up doing in the National Guard um, initially. Um you know, we learned all that stuff, the, the handcuffing, the processing, but uh, it was, that was geared more towards the active duty military bases. Um, but one thing it ended up helping me with is, you know, when we got into state active duty times and then even overseas, we did some law enforcement missions. So um, more, of, uh, you know, I would say initially it started off more of the uh, combat support, um, kind of the heavy guns, that fun stuff, and then with a little bit of law enforcement. So it ended up translating very well into my civilian job.
0: We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Phil Jergensen on Minnesota Military Radio. So, sir, uh, you've been on some deployments. Yes, sir, three. And and how did that work with your civilian jobs? Were they were they pretty supportive?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Both employers that I had during my three deployments—one uh, with the sheriff's office, and then two with uh, the Minnesota State Patrol. Uh, the employers were phenomenal. Um, usually, uh, you know, in my three deployments, I had the luxury of giving them an, a much advanced notice to help cover my shifts, cover a station, uh, take care of my some of my responsibilities. And both employers were very uh, helpful with my transition from my civilian life to my military life to include uh, my family. They did a great job of taking care of my family while I was gone my last deployment with my, my two children, Parker and Clara, um, they, they did a great job of keeping in touch with them, making sure that if they needed anything, uh, that they were taken care of as well.
0: And, sir, from time to time, civilian authorities, whether it's a sheriff in charge of a local incident or highway patrol, needs help from the Minnesota National Guard. And you being on both sides of that has to make it work pretty well.
1: Yeah. It, it, like I said, uh, both jobs really transition well into each other.
0: And uh, I understand that the Minnesota Highway Patrol is looking for some new troopers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, great
1: organization. Um, the State Patrol, especially if you're uh, a military, um, current military member, past military member, or interested in, in the military, uh, the State Patrol translate really well towards, uh, you know, that kind of mindset. Um, we, we live by uh, similar values and work ethics. Uh, you know, we, we, we take pride in our uniforms. We take pride in our profession. Uh, so both um, I would say anybody that's interested in, in applying for the state patrol should should reach out to a state trooper, um, find out uh, what the day to day activities are, learn a little bit about our academy, which is actually uh, it's not as intimidating as some people think. It's it's uh, it's you know you get a lot of great training in there. A lot of a lot of agencies are jealous about the kind of training that that we produce with our state troopers coming out of our academy. So I would just say give a give a, a state trooper a ring if somebody in your neighborhood is that you know. And uh, if not, contact our training center, and they'll definitely get you in touch with somebody.
0: And it just so happens the state patrol does a lot of training up at Camp Ripley as
2: well.
1: Yes, I've been involved in that as a firearms instructor and on our SWAT team um, through a variety of different things. I, I enjoy teaching, um, and uh, it's a passion that I've had. And uh, state patrol, uh, much like the military, it's a holistic training. So we also do, you know, sleep wellness, and we do, uh, you know, financial seminars, and you know, mental health, uh, implicit bias. We we try to create the whole person, the whole state trooper, um, similar to what the military does with their programs as well.
0: And so we've established the Minnesota State Patrol is looking for some troopers, and of course, the division, 34th Infantry Division Red Bulls, are always looking for a few good service members.
1: Absolutely, uh, proud history in the in the in the 34th Infantry Division, um, going all the way back to to World War II and even beyond uh, here in the state of Minnesota. Um, it's, it's a great organization. Uh, people in the organization wear the patch proudly, and uh, we'd be happy to to uh, recruit some some new people into the division or any of our subordinate brigades underneath the division. They're all great organizations.
0: So, sir, one last question. You've been serving in the Highway Patrol for quite a while, and you've been serving in the military for many years. What would you have to say to young people listening to our show today that were thinking about joining military police in the the Guard and uh, maybe thinking about a career for the Highway Patrol?
1: I would say, again, contact uh, somebody in those organizations and and get the ground truth of what's really going on. Um, The relationships you build in both organizations last through your entire life. Um, Just today we had a retirement party for a state trooper and uh, retired state troopers show up um, and it, it Just the relationships you build, the sense of community, uh, the sense of purpose that you bring back to your communities is is great. And I just ask anybody to go talk with a military member, or talk with a Minnesota State Trooper, um, and find out more about the job.
0: And, sir, when we come up in the next segment, we're going to talk to uh, one of your fellows, uh, Minnesota State Troopers, and talk about the LIDO program and the training programs for the Minnesota State Highway Patrol. I'd like to thank you for joining us today.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: That was Phil Jergensen, who is a Minnesota State Trooper and the Chief of Protection for the 34th Infantry Division Red Bulls. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking about the Minnesota State Patrol today. And the Minnesota State Patrol Lido program is designed for candidates with no previous law enforcement experience. Minnesota State Patrol will provide LEO candidates with the educational requirements necessary to take the Minnesota Peace Officer Standard and Training, or post-exam, which is re- required to become a licensed police officer. And joining me now to talk about that is State Patrol Officer Lieutenant Jill Frankfurt. Lieutenant, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Lieutenant, I want to put your uh, State Patrol position on hold for a moment because I want to ask you, you served in the Minnesota National Guard.
2: I did. I enlisted in 1998 as a 15 Papa and uh, retired in 2018.
0: So a long career. Was it all in the Minnesota National Guard or were you active duty for a while?
2: I did active duty time. I had about 14 years of active duty time.
0: Oh, so it was a, as a soldier in the Army? Correct. And a warrant officer for quite a while, I understand.
2: Correct. That was my highest rank. And I did some time as an um, AGR soldier as well.
0: So in... in I was in the Air Force, so I don't understand that your MOS, where you, was that in uh, mil- military police or what were you in?
2: Uh, flight operations, actually, is what I enlisted in.
0: Flight operations. Yep. All right. Well, you got closer to flying than, the, than our previous guest, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you stayed in until just a few years ago when you officially retired.
2: Correct. I did my 20 years and retired. Well,
0: congratulations. Now, the Minnesota State Patrol. How did you get to the minnesota state patrol what what got you interested in that and how long ago did you do it
2: so in about 2011 or 12 i saw an ad online for um, a hiring process for the state patrol and i put my name in um i was full-time guard at the time and i was just i don't know i I needed something different i i know i wanted to serve my community i was doing that as a um, soldier in the guard And um, I just thought it kind of looked neat. I don't come from a family of law enforcement. Um, So I I tried it. I had um, a four-year degree that I had earned, and I saw this opportunity for the Lido program. Um, Anybody with a two- or a four-year degree could put in, and they would pay you to go through um, law enforcement training um, to get you the qualifications needed to become a peace officer in Minnesota.
0: And... uh... Jill, I just want to read this. Uh, the ideal candidate's character will align with the State Patrol's core values of respect, integrity, courage, honor, and excellence. Sounds pretty familiar to what we need to be in the, in, the, in the military and in the Minnesota National Guard.
2: Yeah, you're. that's correct. Um, all the values you learn and you live as a soldier in the military, they really translate perfectly into what we look for as a trooper in the State Patrol.
0: So did you feel comfortable right away when you when you started the training for the uh, highway patrol?
2: I don't know if I was comfortable, but I knew what I had and what I had learned and what values that I grew up with and then learned in the military would help me as a trooper.
0: And you've worked your way up to be a lieutenant in the state patrol. I am, yes. So you're involved in some administrative things now instead of being out in the in a patrol car?
2: Correct. I still work. Um, I'm a field lieutenant, so I'm out on patrol with Um, the troopers. Um, I work the overnight shift, so I do see a lot still and respond to calls. Um, But a lot of my duties are administrative now.
0: And the state patrol works closely with other law enforcement agencies, such as the sheriffs and the police departments, and and, and you're really pretty tight-knit, aren't you?
2: Correct. In the metro, um, we work alongside, or as troopers, we're by ourselves in our car. So if we need help or need to respond to Um, critical incidences or scenes that require more than one squad. Sometimes you don't have an available partner as a trooper depending on where you're located in the state. So you rely heavily upon your partners and other agencies. We have great relationships with them.
0: So I'm just curious when you talk about a local police department, they've got their kind of whole city. If it's a sheriff, it's the county, and if it's the state patrol, you're out on a lot of the state highways. Is that right?
2: Correct. Yep, we're responsible for state highways. Um, We have it's very unique. You can start your career down here in the metro, and you can end anywhere in the state. Retire um, anywhere you want, and you're paid the same wherever you work. So you have the opportunity to move around the state as as you grow and um, you know your life changes, your personal life.
0: So opportunities to move up in rank and move up in in responsibilities and and uh, get a little more interesting all the time. Correct. We're speaking with State Patrol Officer Lieutenant Jill Frankfurth on Minnesota Military Radio. Uh, Lieutenant, I want to talk now about this LIDO program that you mentioned. Uh, State Patrol is hiring, correct? Correct. And we're looking for a lot of good men and women to go out there and join the the troopers. Uh, Tell us about this program. What does it do? Uh, uh, What are the costs? Do you pay for the costs to train people? Uh, How does that all work?
2: So if you go through our application process, if you go to mntrooper.com, you can learn all about the LIDO program. Um, if you are selected and hired, you go um, and complete, I believe it's about 23 weeks of school classroom um, classes at Century, Cla- Century College and Hennepin Tech. Um, there, they'll put you through the courses that you need to complete in order to pass or that post exam that we talked about earlier. Uh, the State Patrol will pay you a trooper's salary while you are going through this program. So every day you go to class from 8 to 5, and you're getting paid what a trooper is paid on the road. So they
0: pay for the cost of the program, and they pay you a salary to go get this training.
2: Correct. So it costs you nothing um, once you are accepted in this program. After you pass that um, course and pass your post exam, you then go and join what we call our traditional route. So those um, hirees that go to college to become a law enforcement officer, you can join them at our you know, um, academy at Camp Ripley.
0: So we've said on this post uh, many times in the past, the uh, Camp Ripley is a great training facility. It's used by the Minnesota National Guard. It's used by the, uh, the MnDOT to train their uh, uh, snowplow drivers. And it's also used uh, by the Highway Patrol to go up there and learn some... Uh, Special driving courses. I saw there's a there's a there's a path up there, or a, or a racetrack, so to speak. And of course, this is where you send uh, your trooper candidates up there for the second part of the training.
2: Correct. That that training is put on by the state patrol, so that is taught by many of our own um, employees, our troopers that we have out on the road. Um, Top notch training there. We have a great uh, emergency vehicle operations track that we use there uh we use ranges out the military ranges for our firearms training um we have a classroom that we use it's it's really top notch training and the best training you'll get in the state
0: so once they get to that second level they go up to Camp Ripley they're housed there they get their meals there they get their training there training's paid for by the by the state highway patrol and they get they get the salary they get paid while they're training
2: correct yep you you continue that trooper pay you're there from sunday night until friday afternoon sometime you go home on the weekends to see your family and then you go back up it's about 14 weeks right now
0: and did you go through that training yourself?
2: I did, yes.
0: How'd you find those 14 weeks? that go quick?
2: Um, mine was a little bit longer than 14 weeks. It does go quick. And especially with that military experience, I, I knew I went through OCS, I went through basic training, I went through AIT. I knew um, the paramilitary, you know, it was very paramilitary. A lot of what you did in the military um, relates to that training up at Ripley.
0: So Lieutenant, we just got a couple, a couple minutes left. Can you tell us who's eligible for this program and once they're eligible and they sign up pretty terrific you pay for all the costs you pay them salary you train them and when they're done they go out and you put them to work but who's eligible who can get this
2: so you can apply for this lido program with a two or four-year degree from an accredited university if you go on mntrooper.com you'll see the qualifications and and where the the degree needs to come from. Okay, once you apply, you'll um, keep moving through the process and transfer right over into that um, Century College Hennepin Tech training.
0: So to be eligible, you have to have a clean record, no felonies, no thefts. You have to be at least 21 years of age, United States citizen, and have a, a good valid driver's license. That's the basics, right?
2: Well, those are some of the basics, yes.
0: And and then if you've got a two-year degree or a four-year degree, then you're eligible and, and uh, How quickly can you put them through this program?
2: Um, It depends on the hiring process and when the next start dates are for these classes and these courses. Um, I think you know when I went through it was it was a long process. They're moving people through quicker now, so six nine months.
0: So last question, Lieutenant, uh, for our listeners out there, if there's any young ladies or young men that want to be a state trooper, what would you say to them?
2: I'd say definitely go for it if you want a job where. Every shift you come to work um, is going to be different. You're going to have an impact on the people that you talk to every day, whether it's somebody you're stopping for a traffic violation or helping at a crash scene. Um, You're going to make a difference, and you really have the opportunity to do what you find a passion for in this job. There's different um, routes you can take once you're in um, the profession for a while, and it, it benefits... Compared to other law enforcement agencies, we have some of the benefits, best benefits in the state.
0: Very good, ma'am. And for our listeners, if you're interested in more information, go to mntrooper.com. Lieutenant, thanks for joining us on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. That was Minnesota State Patrol Lieutenant Jill Frankfurth on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, a sergeant major from the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division about retention in the uh, Minnesota National Guard. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to talk to the Minnesota National Guard about Operation True Grit. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. At the start of the Civil War, Minnesota was the first state to offer volunteers for the Union Army. Ordinary men from Minnesota made an extraordinary sacrifice. Only three years after achieving statehood, over 24,000 Minnesotans answered the call to service. These brave Minnesotans oftentimes found themselves on the front line or the last to leave the battlefield. Minnesotans played a pivotal role, and their service will not be forgotten. The Civil War changed Minnesota in many ways. After the war was over, many soldiers from other states were drawn here because of the Minnesotans they had met and the stories they had heard. The Civil War deeply shaped us, and the 1st Minnesota Volunteer Infantry Regiment holds a special place in the history of our state. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to Minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel serves as the G1. Personnel Sergeant Major for the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division. He's joining us today in the studio, Sergeant Major. Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Mr. Lyons, for having me, Sergeant Major. How many years does it take in the military to get to be a Sergeant Major, the, the top enlisted rank? That's a good
3: question. Uh, for me, it took uh, 24, almost 25 years. So I actually just graduated from the United States Sergeant Major Academy it's just this past February. So I'm very, very humbled to reach the. Pinnacle of Sergeant Major.
0: And that was probably a pretty quick trip in 24 years. A lot of enlisted people never even get a chance to get that high.
3: Yes, that's true. I'm uh, I'm very humbled to have the opportunity and, and to lead the uh, G1 team and the 34th Red Bulls uh, in the G1 role.
0: And Sergeant Major, uh, I was in the Air Force, but I just want to make this point. At, at every level of command in the Army or the Army National Guard, there's a commanding officer and there's a senior enlisted that work side-by-side to get all the work done. It's a little bit different than the Air Force or the Navy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm blessed to have, you know, great officers and and senior leaders that kind of brought me up through the ranks and and, and good mentorship. Uh, But I'm just uh, excited to continue my career in the National Guard and, 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 you know, be a good role model for NCOs alike.
0: So let's talk about the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division. There's a brand-new headquarters uh, over here in Arden Hills. i have been out there once. We did a show out there. And and uh, the division, tell us a little bit about the division quickly.
3: Yes, the uh, 34th Infantry Red Bull Division headquarters uh, recently moved from Rosemont, Minnesota, up to Arden Hills uh, into a brand-new armory. Uh, very nice, state-of-the-art um, facility with, uh, with, with with several uh, amenities that uh, accommodate the different staff sections throughout the division staff. Um, so it, it allows us to do our job, um, you know, successfully. And
0: uh, and how many soldiers serve in the, in the division? It's more than just Minnesota National Guard. It reaches out beyond that. Correct.
3: Uh, within the Minnesota National Guard itself and our state boundaries, uh, we're right around
0: 9000 soldiers. And, Sergeant Major, I understand that overall in the Minnesota National Guard, we have to replace about 10 percent of the soldiers and airmen every year just to keep up with those folks that are retiring, maybe not re-enlisting, uh, just to keep up with the turnover and in, in the normal retirements. So you're, you're always looking for new soldiers and new airmen at the division, new soldiers, uh, to start at the bottom to work up through the ranks.
3: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know the the military term that we use for that is attrition. You know, there's there's soldiers that leave our organization to different branches of the military. There's retirements, uh, medical separations, and that type of thing. So, yes, we do need we do need uh, new soldiers, and 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 there's a couple different tools that we use in the Minnesota National Guard to uh, promote and advertise our product.
0: So, what's the most important thing when a soldier comes in and he signs up? Is it is it the normal enlistment about four years? now?
3: for For the National Guard soldier, it's a six by two contract, so it's six years of actual drilling, and then uh, and then two years of of like what they call the ING or inactive National Guard.
0: And those are really important six years because you take a you take a civilian and you teach them how to be a soldier, and now you're teaching them about their military operational specialty, their MOS. So the guard and the army are investing a lot of money to to get them through those first, first six years, so that they. They are experienced and they know where to go from that point on.
3: Yes, there's a big financial commitment to get a soldier in boots, um, uh, several thousands of dollars. So it's very important that we keep soldiers energized and uh, continuing to serve throughout our ranks uh, because it is a financial responsibility, I think, both in the state and the federal mission.
0: And... Uh, Sergeant Major, we've seen over the last 12 years that here in Minnesota, all of the civilian employers seem to work really well with the Minnesota National Guard, both air and army side. And, and despite the deployments, despite summer uh, call ups to site, despite all the things that happen, they're really supportive of the Minnesota National Guard. And that allows your Guard soldiers to stay in, keep their civilian jobs, keep keep that extra. Knowledge, if you will, from their civilian jobs to combine with their MOS, so that when they're sent on missions, missions they can do more than one thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been very fortunate to be blessed with some great uh, corporations here in Minnesota that have been very supportive of the lifestyle of a citizen soldier. Um, you know, our ESGR is a very strong organization that you know recognizes those those different uh, companies, and uh, we're very fortunate to have. Um, you know, corporations and businesses throughout the the twin cities that support um, our soldiers and airmen.
0: We're talking with Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel from the uh, uh, 34th Infantry Red Bull Division on Minnesota Military Radio. Sergeant Major, how important is it to keep those soldiers past that first six-year enlistment?
3: It's a great question, Mr. Lyons. It's very, very uh, important, and I know that our senior leaders have put a lot of emphasis on that recently. Um, you know, we we call those soldiers in their first initial contract um, obligors and it's and it's, it it's it, it's just that we want to keep them obligated to the army army national guard and uh, keep them in our formation because it is a financial responsibility but we also want to keep the experience right we have other soldiers that are going to be coming up throughout the ranks and we want to pass on that experience
0: um so what I, I'm wondering what the determining factors are because I can remember in when I was in the Air Force, uh, you take a look at those first years and the, and they can be they can be traumatic because it, it, going to basic training and and going off to war is is something that you don't think about as a civilian, but then you get to the point where you have to make that decision say at the end of the first six years as a soldier. Is it the friendships you made? Is it, is it the, the command structure? Is it the job? Is, it, is There must be a whole combination of things that help you make the decision. Do I want to do this and, and go for retirement? Uh, or do I want to say, okay, I've served my country. It's time to move on. What, what are the, the, the differentiating factors?
3: Yeah, I think the most unique thing about the Minnesota Army National Guard is, you know, we have soldiers that live and, and, and work in the community, um, and then also serve. Uh, and so you kind of build those friendships throughout your formations and throughout your community. And so it's important, I think, to keep those relationships and to build off of those. Um, and and it's, it's almost like a family. You know, we, we, like I said, work and live throughout the, the communities in which we live. And uh, that's true for, for the traditional soldiers that also grill, drill on the uh, National Guard. Uh, weekends. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a, f- a family.
0: Now, with the pandemic out there, you've been called up an awful lot of times to to support some really dangerous things in Minnesota. Hopefully that's past this and now we can get back to normal disasters instead of a, a pandemic. But your soldiers, I think I've heard feedback that they enjoy being able to help their friends and neighbors.
3: Yes, absolutely. The uh, pandemic has been a, a true testament of what uh, what the Minnesota National Guard can do.
0: Sergeant Major, we have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about Operation True Grit, which was uh, an event that you held out at the uh, division headquarters last week. We're speaking with Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel, who serves as the uh, G1, the personnel sergeant major, for the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division. And we've been talking about retention, and uh, how much time it takes to recruit all these new soldiers, get them trained up, and then hopefully they're having a good time taking care of uh, folks in Minnesota and, and taking care of their jobs, and, and we want them to stay in so that they can go to the next level and they can stay part of, uh, of your unit, particularly the uh, our Red Bulls here in Minnesota. Oh, cool. Sergeant Major, I know you just uh, you had a drill weekend, and, and you uh, had an event that was called Operation True Grit. Can you tell me what that was, what's the mission of that operation?
3: I sure can, Mr. Lyons. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. So Operation True Grit was uh, an initiative that was pushed down to the division to help help soldiers understand the purposes of wearing the uniform. And so what we did is we took soldiers who have an ETS, an expiration time of service, um, from April 1st to September 30th, and we got them all together. And what we did is we provided them an overview of the different MOSs throughout the state um, and then uh, provided them a recap of all their benefits. So education benefits, health care, and also some of the bonuses that we have to offer.
0: So MOS is military operational specialty for those in the Army, and that means all the different jobs all over the state. And uh, your soldiers do have a chance, even after the first six years, to to change once in a while, don't they?
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, part of the purpose of this event was to afford soldiers the opportunity to transfer units, maybe try different MOS, and uh, ultimately maybe even get closer to their home record.
0: But always easier if you, if you don't have to drive uh, half a day across the state to get to, get to your unit.
3: Yes. Minnesota is actually kind of a bigger state, so people forget uh, how far we drive from and the over, north to the over south. Over
0: 60 armories all over the state. and yes. And uh, they do have at least a chance to get closer to home, and they all get a chance to go up to Camp Ripley. So did you try to identify some soldiers that were coming up on the end of their enlistments and, and bring them in and check with them to see how they were doing and and maybe entice them to stick around?
3: Yeah, we did that uh, on Saturday, the 2nd of April. We had uh, the event held at the division headquarters. Uh, we brought in about 103 soldiers and we provided them some briefings on, on some of the opportunities that they can um, take on, whether it be reclassing as a different profession um, or just transferring units and trying something different. Uh, we tied in uh, family programs as well, and so they kind of gave a summary of some of the benefits that they are entitled to being in the, in the Minnesota National Guard. And then uh, obviously the, the, the bonus is enticing too. So uh, we did have some success. We had 18 soldiers re-enlist on Saturday.
0: Very good, Sergeant Major. And I understand we've had recruiting and retention on the show in the past, and they tell me that your Warrant Officers Corps, which is in the Army, comes from NCOs or enlisted non-commissioned officers, and and of course, uh, a lot of the NCOs, if they've got the proper education, can go on to Officers Training School and those type of things. I'm sure you were working through some of those issues as well, and it's my understanding that there's a few Warrant Officer positions open. and. Some of those NCOs might have been just ready to ready to jump.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're very uh you're very true in that statement. Um, you know, the HR perf- or the uh, tech the warrant officers, um, you know, are are, are are our technical experts. And so the longer that uh, you serve in the enlisted time, the more and more you experience you bring into the Warren Officer Corps.
0: And so our, our enlisted people stay in one MOS for most of their career. And, and the officers, once they go through that, they're in a job for two, three years, move to another, move to another. But your warrant officers stay within a unit, and they're kind of the the operational experience, knowledge, repository of all the information. They're kind of – they keep everything steady, don't they?
3: Yes, they do. They do. They are the uh, the experts in their profession.
0: So you need all three. And you're lucky in the Army you can do that. We don't have warrant officers in the airside, but it sure makes sense. So you had uh, Operation True Grit was a success. You had it out at the out at the new uh, division headquarters?
3: Yeah, we had the new headquarters. Uh, we had two different groups come in, um, and we provided them, you know, like a brief from each one of the different uh, MSCs, which is your major, major subordinate commands, and just offered them the different – uh, functions and missions of each one of those units to see if they want to try something, try something different.
0: And Sergeant Major, I understand you had some uh, incentives, maybe a little federal money and a little state money to give bonuses if they if they signed up and stayed.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota is is one of the only states that offers a state reenlistment bonus right now. So that initiative kicked off on February first, um, and soldiers uh, can reenlist. For a six year contract for fifteen thousand or a four year for six thousand dollars, and you can combine the state's reenlistment bonus with the federal so soldiers can get up to twenty seven thousand dollars for reenlisting.
0: So Sergeant Major, you were making it tough on them. If they were thinking about going back to be civilians, you had a lot of reasons we can give you a better job, we can give you a bonus, we can do these things, we want you to stay. Good reason you had some success last weekend.
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Sergeant Major, we're just about out of time. Uh, Any final thoughts about uh, Operation True Grit or the Red Bill 34th Infantry Division?
3: Yeah. I think uh, with the success of Operation True Grit, we'll probably see more of these in the upcoming years. Um, And, yeah, I look look forward to, uh, you know, meeting and talking with soldiers during these events and and find out why soldiers are are, are sticking around and and why they're leaving. And uh, we can probably provide them some more, uh, you know, benefits and entitlements.
0: Very good, Sergeant Major. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Lyons.
0: That was Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel uh, from the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division on Minnesota Military Radio. Veterans Day on the Hill will be held in person on April 20th. This is a chance for Minnesota's veterans and supporters to have their voices heard by the legislature and the governor. There's important work on veteran suicide prevention, eliminating homelessness, and taking care of survivors to be done. If you are interested in organizing a bus from your area, the DAV of Minnesota is offering to reimburse half of the expense to get supporters to the Hill. If you have a bus coming, reach out to DAV of Minnesota to help spread the word. The latest information can be found at DAVMN.org. And joining us to talk about Veterans Day on the Hill is Greg Peterson, who is the Brown County Veteran Service Officer and the former president of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. Greg, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
4: Thank you very much, Tom. It's good to be here on this important occasion,
0: Greg. Every every year that we've been doing the show in the last decade, uh, Veterans Day on the Hill is a really important day, and the more veterans we can get down to the Capitol, the better.
4: It is. It is very very important. Um, the, I've been doing it for eighteen years now, and we've always had some pretty good pretty good crowds of veterans uh, to come into the Capitol there, and to it's a, it's amazing when we amass on the front steps or in the rotunda, uh, you really get the legislators' attention, and we bring forth a legislative agenda every year, and uh, we we work on that all the way back in October of the preceding year, and we have got some great legislators that are willing to carry bills for us, but it doesn't get to the governor's desk without the veterans of Minnesota supporting every effort we've got going on.
0: So you guys have been working with the... uh... Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Commander's Task Force, and, of course, County Veteran Service Officers to line up legislative uh, uh, priorities and and to organize the veterans around Minnesota to get down to the Capitol and get your voices heard.
4: That's right. We've got the uh, Commander's Task Force, which is made up of the state commanders of eight veterans organizations. That's The Commander's Task Force, or the CTF, is really the moving factor that keeps all of this rolling. We com- compile everybody's ideas. I mean, things come all the way up from the local post level through resolutions to the department conventions, and we compile their ideas and we put forth uh, an agenda. And uh, and then we also work with Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs you know, to see if, if they think things will work, and they work with us to see if we think things will work, and we've got a real good uh, agenda this year.
0: And, of course, Greg, one of the most important things we work on all the time is veteran suicide prevention.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I've had a veteran suicide in my county in the past couple of weeks here, and uh, it's just just terrible how much, uh, how much it impacts those families. And we certainly want to do everything we can, whether it's giving someone a gun lock, uh, having a crisis line for them, uh, doing buddy checks. Uh, helping them out, no matter what their age is, uh, to stop them from following through with whatever situation makes them think that is a better situation than they're in right now.
0: And of course, that's important. We got to get them out, get them outside, get them feeling well, and uh, and and make sure they don't do that. Greg, we just got a couple minutes left. Can you give us uh, an idea of a couple of the other legislative priorities?
4: Well, one we are working on is uh, to. Uh, level out the playing field, I guess we could say it, for survivors. Uh, We'll use uh, Asian or since you're a Vietnam veteran, uh, but uh, widows can get a homestead property tax exemption or an exclusion, but they can only get it if the veteran passed away in the last two years. Uh, And we know from the Blue Water Navy that those veterans died many years ago, uh, and the widow may, may just now be getting the VA benefit. So we're Going, asking the state to eliminate the two-year rule. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, we're working hand-in-hand with the Minnesota DNR to reduce the cost of hunting, trapping, and fishing licenses for service-connected uh, veterans. We're also working to require county recorders uh, to record discharges from all branches of the military free of charge. Um, let's see here. We're looking to give property tax relief to post homes. So the American Legion... There in Edina, uh, the the VFW in St. Paul. Give those organizations that are paying quite high property tax, uh, we like to eliminate the property tax uh, so that those organizations can stay
0: open. So this is an opportunity for our veterans to be heard over at the Capitol. So for everybody listening around the state, get your veteran buddies together, get a bus, get a car, get whatever you need. If you need help paying for that, get a hold of DAVMN.org, and they'll help you. And, uh, Greg, I imagine your county veteran service officers will be there that day as well.
4: I sure hope they will. By the way, there's a free lunch that starts at 10 a.m., or the coffee starts at 10, 10. That's in the Armory, St. Paul Armory, 600 Cedar Street. If you get there, you'll be part of this great event.
0: Greg, great talking to you again. Thanks for joining us.
4: You're welcome. Goodbye.
0: This is Greg Peterson, the Brown County Veteran Service Officer, talking about Veterans Day on the Hill, which is April 20th this year. Get your veteran buddies and get down to the Capitol. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Phil Jurgensen and Jill Frankforth from the Minnesota State Patrol, Sergeant Major Joseph Vogel from the Red Bull Infantry Division, Greg Peterson from the County Veterans Service Officers, Commissioner Larry Herkey the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mackey. Please join us next week as we get updates from the DAV of Minnesota and the Minnesota Department of Military Affairs. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week.
1: Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, Media, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.